What is up, guys? So today on John and Mary's Singing Podcast, we're going to be looking at the difference between open throat and splat vowels in singing. So hang around for the answer. All right, so thank you guys for checking out this episode. Uh, apparently, you can leave voice messages on this podcast. So if you'd like to send me a voice message with a question or a comment or query that you'd like me to answer, just send me a voice message and I'll listen to it and I'll get back to you. All right, thank you guys very much for checking this out, and I will see you next time on the John and Mary Singing Podcast. All right, so the question is, some vocal teachers tell their students to open their mouths wide as they sing higher. However, from my knowledge, opening a mouth too wide can cause massive strain. How do you differentiate between an open throat and splat vowel in singing? This is a great question, and uh, it's one that I think a lot of people struggle with because part of the difference between splat vowel singing and open throat singing is that one requires tension and one requires relaxing. So an open throat and your mouth are correlated between how much you relax when you sing up higher. So when you start singing up higher, your jaw should relax and drop back, almost as if you're chewing, like a gentle relaxed chew so what you do when you sing up higher with an open throat or the Swedish Italian method is you don't force your jaw open and you don't force your mouth wide or anything like that what you do is you imagine that you are chewing gently chewing on something on a vowel and a consonant so when you pronounce a consonant your mouth should be closed and then when you say a vowel your mouth your jaw should drop slightly back and unhinged, almost in a relaxed position. So this is what it would sound like if I was talking with a relaxed, unhinged jaw. Ready? So if I was talking with a relaxed, unhinged jaw, you'll find that a lot of my consonants disappear. But what happens is you can hear that my tongue starts doing all of the movement to create all of the vowels and my pharynx has to react in... Uh, not react, has to work in tandem with my tongue to create the vowels and the consonants that I want, right? So that's exactly the same principle as singing, right? You use the same principle as talking and singing and you just have to relax your jaw. And then one of the ways you can work on this is you stop pronouncing such hard consonances when you go up higher. So you don't actually fully close on a T, but you you uh, change it to the Italian dental um, consonants, which is da, me, ne, bo, tu, la, be, right? And you can modify your vowels depending on what you're singing. So if you're saying, uh, the best example that comes to my mind right now, it's probably isn't the best example for most things, but it's if you're saying caro, mio, ben, when you sing it up higher, instead of going a hard K, caro, mio, ben, what you do is you change it to a ga. So it's it's not actually created from a closed k, a closed tongue to top of your mouth thing. It's created by a g, a more throaty kind of g, g noise, right? So you'd be as opposed to and you can argue to the cows come home about which one sounds better. But I've been in choirs where there have been the most uh, almost pretentious in how they pronounce their vowels and they're trying to make up for a whole choir 
of uh, uh, consonants, sorry, not vowels, how, how they pronounce a consonants, and you hear the person sitting behind you or sitting next to you going, and you, it's just, it really does ruin, ruin it for everyone, right? So when you're in the audience, it may not sound that exaggerated, and a lot of choir people will tell you to overpronounce your consonants, and they'll warm up on consonant noises, but it's, in my mind, warming up on consonants is like, it's just, it doesn't actually warm up anything. Like, you're not going to get better at uh, at consonances in doing these kind of warm-ups. It doesn't actually help you, help the choir sound any better. If anything, it kind of just wears you out a little bit because it's not proper technique. You know what I mean? Like, there's no exercises that I know of in the Swedish Italian Method or Manuel Garcia's the second book that has anything to do with consonances going... It's all actually singing, and part of the part of the interesting thing about modern day singing and I guess classical technique is that a lot of um, a lot of classical technique revolves around the fact that consonances up high get a little bit left out, and some people will disagree with me. And you know, well, there's always there's always something, always the other side of the coin. But for my side of the coin. Consonances kind of get left out because they, when you get up higher, it's almost impossible to fully close and open on a consonant because you, 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 the higher up you get, the thinner and taller the sound beam gets and the more space you have to create with your mouth, uh, with the pharynx and your tongue root. So trying to get into a, a, k, a k, a closed K or P, which involves a lot of closed lips, it, it's it's really not actually conducive to singing. So what you do is you kind of just brush on them. So you gently go up and you touch the consonances, but you get out of the consonances as soon as possible when you're singing up higher. And I think a lot of people get confused because when you hear really well-recorded classical voices or really good technique singers in the modern day sing, it sounds like they're pronouncing every single last last little consonant and it sounds really great and clean. But there's two things to that. One is that sometimes they're near a microphone and they're not singing or belting, right? So you can hear a lot more of the mouth uh, noises. And that's probably where people get this overly consonant kind of thing when they try and sing. Uh, or they sing in choirs where they're taught to phonate more than they possibly should because it creates an effect uh, in the audience of being able to understand what they're saying. So that's there's two two different ways of approaching consonants. But if you're a solo singer and you have a good technique and you want to add more consonants to your singing, then you have to really work on uh, almost faking the consonances, right? Because it's really... Or not faking it, but you you change the hard consonances for soft consonances when you get up higher. Because when you're down low, you can sing all the consonants you want and there are different certain ways to do it and it's really hard to try and give you all the examples now because there's five vowels and there's 21 consonants, I think. So that's the difference between... Well, that's not the difference, but that's the example of open throat and the Swedish Italian method and how they produce the consonants and vowels within that relationship. And a lot of it has to do with the jaw being unhinged and relaxed because you can't physically make certain consonants with your jaw unhinged and relaxed, right? So when people talk about 
opening your mouth up when you get up higher. We've, so we've talked about the consonances and the vowels. You have to maintain great internal mouth, pharynx, tongue shaping for the note to actually come out cleanly and well, right? So there's no avoiding this to get clean. Like you, you, in my mind, it's like sacrificing the quality of everything just to get a T or a P or a K as opposed to everything sounding great but that one specific thing in your head isn't the same as what people hear out in the audience because that's also another factor to remember is that just because you hear it a certain way doesn't mean that the audience hears it a certain way and that's where I go back to the choir thing about the audience won't hear a whole choir unless the whole choir pronounces a K or a P but that's a different situation remember we're talking about solo singing so as you sing up higher your jaw should drop down and relax what does that mean for different people well it means different things obviously so if you have a really tight jaw like a lot of people do because they're stressed or whatever daily things and happening and they've got a real tight throat or the sternoclamastoid muscles are really tight because, you know, they're at work or they're hunched over a desk all day or, you know, they're dehydrated, you know, it's just a whole bunch of different reasons. They've been screaming at a concert or something or shouting at a pub. Their jaw's not going to open as wide, right? It's going to be a lot harder for them to relax that jaw. But as you train the relaxing the jaw, it actually gets more of a motomuscular control than something that relies on the fact that you are relaxed so it becomes a trained um, muscle memory thing and as you sing up higher the tip that that um, I've heard is instead of dropping your jaw further what you do is relax your jaw this is hard to explain on podcast but follow with me everyone try and visualize this is that you relax your jaw so your jaw is hanging limp right and then if you want to sing up higher you actually so put two fingers on your chin and relax your jaw and if you want to open your mouth wider instead of dropping your jaw down lift your head up but hold your jaw where it is with two fingers so you get a really nice kind of like opening but you're utilizing the fact that there are muscles holding your jaw down or relaxing your jaw down and instead of tightening those muscles or tensing them to get to get more pull on your jaw down, what you do is you just lift your head up from your jaw, which helps the relaxing part. And if that doesn't make sense, I'll say it just one more time. So to relax your jaw, it'll drop a certain depth. For every single person will have a different depth that the jaw relaxes. And instead of contracting a muscle or tightening it to drop your jaw further, which will create muscular tension... What you want to do is you just want to lift up the top part, like your forehead. Imagine your forehead going up and your jaw staying relaxed. You should have gravity on your side to help your jaw relax by pulling your head up instead of forcing your jaw down. So that's a big distinction. Okay, so with all of that said, splat vowel singing is something that I am not at all familiar with. And I know that opening your mouth too wide, like imagine um, the Rolling Stones singer, um, not Keith Richards, 
Oh, this is this is bad. I can't remember his name. Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger has a massive mouth, and that's just a genetic thing. He's just got an enormous set of chompers, so his mouth will be a lot wider than someone else who doesn't have such a big mouth. So there's no real comparisons that you can draw on here. You can just kind of see what people have done in the past and take note that not all of it's going to be healthy, especially a lot of modern stuff. It's really hard to justify how they sing. It's really hard to try and emulate ACDC or Mick Jagger or or anyone who has a little bit of distortion. It's hard to teach that because it's such an individual distinct thing. But if you look at classical singers, they all kind of have the same kind of things that they do that you can take note of and apply to your own singing because that's how we all learn is from (laughs) not necessarily the bombastic rebellious side of rock and roll or whatever but by looking at 100 years worth of singers who do the same thing and you can get the little tips and tricks from looking at the consistencies throughout their techniques that's what I believe and then you can modify it to to till the cows come home but that's a different story so with the uh, old bel canto singers you'll find that if you watch some of the youtube videos on how they sing their mouths are quite quite open when they sing up high like franco corelli on a high c his mouth is substantially open right and that is because he's a spinto tenor he's got an enormous voice um so he probably has to facilitate the size of his voice by opening his mouth a bit wider but you can see it in Pavarotti does it but none of them are straining to open their mouth that's the thing is that, that so they all open their mouth when they get up higher but none of them are straining to get there now a good I think comparison to this and this isn't all singers in this genre but musical theater often has splat vowel singing and that's often due to a very forward production method which is uh, not something that I advocate as it creates a lot of tension in the throat and it will often often lead to a lot of vocal problems if you're trying to force your voice forward as you get up higher and you're trying to open your mouth wider to allow more space because you, you, you're trying to create space in the wrong way. Like the space that I'm talking about is at the back of your head, in your soft palate, in your pharynx, in the three pharynxes that you have. You want all of them to be quite open and spacious. Whereas in musical theatre, you don't really hear that that aspect of the singing. You kind of hear the hard palate up all the time. And they try and make room for the voice to come out by opening the mouth wider. Now, that could be for a bunch of different reasons because the technique doesn't allow for natural projection. So they try and force projection out. Um, I've yet to see a musical theatre man, because women are a bit different in their voices, a musical theatre man who can comfortably sing anything above an A flat without some form of diminishing return after they sing that note. Like, I've seen... um, Not to rip on anyone, it's a great musical, but I've seen a couple of musicals where they sing the high note and then they have to sing it again and it sounds like as if oh ooh that that <laughs> hurt them a little bit you know what I mean? like ooh that uh, didn't quite sit well with them and you can tell that 
as they get on with the show, they stop singing as high notes to preserve their voice. But when you see like operas and stuff, they all sing the high notes, they sing them all the time, and it's no problem for them. So in my mind, you should emulate those singers and try as best as you can to find the balance between forward production and internal space, like open throat singing. And open throat singing isn't not having forward production. It's allowing the frontal, the mask, the bones, allowing that sensation to happen by getting the space in the back. So it's like ringing off two two aspects, the hard palate and the soft palate, as opposed to trying to force it to come into the hard palate, which is a lot of musical theatre style, like it's called really bright and whatnot. So I hope that answers the question. If you guys have any questions, I'm on Facebook or YouTube because um, this is quite a, a quite a technical visual podcast about where your jaw should be. Um, but just remember, the relaxed, unhinged jaw, which drops down and back, is the best for singing. <laughs>